Hi, and welcome to the Grace World Podcast. This is the March 20th edition, and March 20th is what day? The first day of spring. Yay! I'm Dan Hewitt. I'm Becky, his wife. And actually, Becky, what is amazing about the first day of spring? Do you know? Well, um, I know it's the... I think you better say what it is. <laughs> I don't want to steal your thunder. Okay. <laughs> Tell us some fun facts about the spring, equinox, the spring equinox. Which is the day that the the uh, days are the exact same length as the nights are. So, And if you're in the living on the equator, it's the day that the sun passes directly overhead. So is it the same in the the day and the nighttime the same worldwide or just in a certain hemisphere uh well technically it's only when you're on the equator so when we're in the northern hemisphere we still don't quite have as long of days the farther you are north the later in summer yeah, okay, they will okay, become okay. longer till they're very long so for all those people that live on the equator happy equal day there you go <laughs> and for those of us that are in the northern hemisphere right in the northern, we are in the northern. We're headed hemisphere. towards warmer and brighter days. That's right. And for those of you in Australia, uh huh, you're heading to the winter time. Sorry, ever so slowly. So <laughs> enjoy the last few days of so warmth. Anyway, that's our little tidbit. We're glad to be with you today. Um, we have lots of things. We we really are enjoying uh, the conversations that are coming up just between us. Uh, as we prepare during the week, thinking about what we want to share on the airwaves. And uh, we did get a little bit of feedback this past, uh, after the last podcast last weekend. And so that also prompted us just to be um, mindful and uh, deliberate about some of the stuff that we want to share. And then also just um, enjoyed that feedback and getting to talk to a few people and answer questions and so we're going to try to answer at least one of those questions today um, and then um, just just a reminder everybody this is Dan and I's what we've got so far in life about mm-hmm. what we're learning in grace we don't claim any kind of uh, perfection or um, what am I trying to say like we're so, not the experts on this so let me ask you a question Wait, so wait, so I, I, wait, no, 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 wait. When you got saved then, are you telling me that you didn't suddenly never sin, <laughs> you understood everything, and all your theology was perfect? Well, I was like five, so I think um, no is the answer to that. No. I guess similarly, I was got saved early, and it's been a journey to say, yeah, what is God really like, right. and how do I truly get to know him, enjoy him, right, and be in his presence and live that out, and that's been a lifelong journey because, wow, there's just so many <laughs> reasons between where we're raised, who we're around, denominations we're in, or religious or uh, groups of faith or not. Uh, things we've read, things we've heard, uh, abuses or good things we've been through. There's just so much that influences our mindset. Mm-hmm. And to be able to take the time through your life to say, to continue to pursue God and say, how do you really want to know me? Mm-hmm. What, and how do I get to really know you? Mm-hmm. I think really is a lifelong pursuit. Yeah. 
So we spent last week, and we were trying to get through Law and Grace last last week, trying to define some terms and understand when people use those, what they really talk about. And uh, as we went through last week, we realized we only got to talk about the law. And so this mm-hmm. week, we're going to try to talk about grace, because grace is my favorite word. <laughs> we are the Grace World podcast. Mm-hmm. I wrote a book on grace. And so we're excited to actually finally delve into it. Mm-hmm. So I guess the first thing is, is to ask, what is grace? And we're going to have to go... Well, first we'll give a little bit of a definition. The simplest is saying God views us according to what Christ has done. But now let's go check that a little further. What does that mean? It means compared to, say, the law that we talked about last week, usually we can live in a way where we feel like, oh, I made a mistake, I have to fix things, I have to get right with God. What do I do? Whereas grace says, Christ has come to reconcile us to him, to take away all the barriers so that we can be with God in a very intimate and close way. Mm -hmm. And grace is that expression where I guess the best way to talk about it is sin is no longer an issue between us and God. Now, does that mean we never sin again? Well, I don't. <laughs> I'll agree. I will. Yes, I will say Becky no longer sins. <laughs> Good job. So we'll just zip right past that That was one. a joke. It just in case you don't know us, of course we sin again. But hopefully we're not in patterns and stuck in a lifestyle and things like that of sin. Because yeah. as we delve into the relationship with God... That brings a freedom to us, and it frees us from that uh, fear of it, it, but also the flesh's desire for sin. Because if we're focused on God, we're not focused on the flesh. And Mm, Say that again. If we are focused on God, we will not be focused on the things of the flesh, the earthly life. And in fact, John says that in 1 John. He says, if we... listen to the spirit we will not gratify the desires of the flesh mm. i guess we said that last week didn't we I don't remember. we quoted that and the idea is if our mind is on christ we literally will not sin now the problem is is our mind gets off of christ yeah and so that's what we'll talk up a little bit about that this week too we're also going to have a longer talk maybe in a week or so that we're really going to go through what does it look like to really walk in that and uh, some practical things on that. So stay tuned. So stay tuned. So if I look at grace. Let's add some scripture. Yeah, my favorite verse actually on that is, and this is part of this is we talk about grace. We can never talk about grace apart from the character and nature of God. Right. So Romans 5, 8 says, while God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Mm. The righteous for the unrighteous. Mm. Now, the normal way our brains often work is, for instance, I will forgive somebody if they're truly repentant, if they say they won't do it anymore, things like that. But what's the pattern of God? The opposite. 
While we were still separated from him and not even out searching out for him as a, as a whole body of humanity, he initiated and reached out to us and made the provision for us while we were yet separated and living according to the desires of the flesh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's, that's just a phenomenal thing is to recognize that contrary to kind of a lot of religious belief, God is the one who, who pursues and initiates. He initiates and he pursues us, and his desire is that we respond to him. And we often get that backward, mm-hmm. and we think we have to go chase down and find God or that we have to somehow have a pursuit of a bunch of things to even get to God. And God is saying, I'm here. I'm bringing something to you. I want you to respond to what it is that I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, you have uh, kind of hit the nail on the head that we get we get it backwards when we think, because obviously... I believe that that we as human beings do long for spiritual things, that we have a body and a mind and a spirit. And in our spirit, that spirit wants to connect with something that is greater than our own selves, that is uh, uh, other and brings us to a higher understanding of what life is really about. And so as we try to pursue to fill up the needs in our spirit, we are trying to achieve something. We are trying to achieve goals or a nirvana or something that would bring us peace in our spirit. And as we try to meet that need, that's what I mean. I think we get it backwards because God is the the need meter. He's the one who actually created us with that spirit and with that spiritual need and he's the one who fulfills it and because of that and because of his love he always is initiating here come to me come with me join into intimacy with me and get that spiritual need fulfilled so that we can live life together in a beautiful way Mm -hmm. i like actually the first two words you used in there which is God is. So Mm -hmm. it's actually the name of God is Yahweh, which means I am. The implication is he exists himself without the dependence on anything else. He is the self-existent one. And even in Mm -hmm. there further of God is, God is the one who is active. God is the one who is doing. God is the one who is leading. And he invites us to participate and partake of the things he's doing. And sometimes I think we get in this mindset of, hey, I've got all these ideas for God. And God's like, you know, I got some, I got some ideas already here, um, <laughs> but thanks, you know, and it's not, but sometimes God puts creative things in our mind sure. because he's doing it. But we have to learn to recognize, is this something God is doing and what God is leading versus this is my bright idea? You know, I think in the modern terms, sometimes we have ideas where it's the equivalent of, here, hold my beer. I want to try something. (laughs) (laughs) You've seen those videos on the internet, I'm sure. (laughs) And often that's kind of what we're doing is, I've got an idea. Let me try this. Right. So. Right. 
Yeah, in fact, actually, I was talking to a friend today who had spent, he had spent some time in prison, and we were talking about what it was like for people who have come from difficult places, who have, you know, patterns of poor behavior and so forth, and how it's so difficult for some people to get out of the pattern of the pride and the self type of things where they have to prove themselves to other people Mm -hmm. and they keep ending up making the same mistakes over and over because their goal is, I think I can do it. I've got the idea. I'm going to make this happen Mm -hmm. and I'm going to prove everybody else wrong. And -hmm. it doesn't mean you shouldn't have some gumption and you shouldn't have, you know, stick to itiveness and all Mm -hmm. those kind of things. But sometimes you got to say, is God in this thing? And what does God really want to accomplish here? Yeah. Yeah. So, well, we had actually a question last week, and I want to head into it with some thoughts. When we talk about grace, I think the biggest key sometimes of understanding it is to understand what it isn't. Mm -hmm. Because I would be hard-pressed to say I've been to a church that says, they don't believe in grace. Mm-hmm. I've, mm-hmm. I've never been to one that mm-hmm. says, we think grace is bad. Mm-hmm. Well, what happens is people have different definitions of grace mm-hmm. and different misunderstandings about grace and different concerns about grace. And so let's, I want to talk about that. So I'm going to put a diagram, I'll put it up on the web page so that you can see it. But the idea is, um, and that's at grace.world, The idea is picture three arrows, one up in the middle, and that's the path with God is grace. So Mm -hmm. that middle arrow says grace. Mm -hmm. There's an arrow to the right, and it says legalism. Mm. And then there's an arrow to the left, and it says license or licentiousness. And so what happens, I want you to think of it this way. When we veer away from the direction of grace we typically head into one of those other two things. So let's define Mm -hmm. those. Okay. Legalism. What's legalism? Legalism is what we've been talking about where you're trying to do, I'm trying to do things to get to God. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to obey all of the law. I'm trying to please him with my life. Um, it, It can be very blatant, but it could also be very subtle. Um, the Lord won't listen to me unless I pray a certain way. Um, I won't have favor unless I'm living a pure life. Um, my bad habits are creating a barrier between me and God. And he, um, wants me to jump through certain behavioral hoops to please, uh, to get his attention or for him to actually, um, give me my inheritance, things like that. So legalism is uh, a give and get kind of mentality. Right. If we just do enough stuff or the right stuff, then God will be okay with us. Mm-hmm. And in fact, well, yeah, we won't go into that right now. But so the opposite side is licentiousness. Mm-hmm. Now, what licentiousness is either caused by actually a complete lack of belief in God or what it does is it takes a false view of what forgiveness is. And what it says is, if God forgave us, then then sin is okay. Mm-hmm. And that's not okay. So, <laughs> and in fact, one of the verses... It's a license to sin. That's where right. that's licentious, where the word license, yeah. yeah. 
It means it, it would be... It's like the 007 of the sin world. You have a license to sin. <laughs> Instead of a license to kill. That's right. <laughs> yeah, it, I think this one, um, especially when people preach or talk about or want to understand grace in a deeper uh, or broader way of how it affects their life, this one seems like a, the, the scarier one, especially to the church. Because if people say, well, if I'm forgiven of everything, then I'm not held accountable for um, my choices and I can just willy nilly do whatever I want and God will forgive me and accept me. And they feel like that's a license to sin or a license to live on their own. I know sin is a really old fashioned term these days, but sin really just means um, I'm not I'm doing my own. I'm I'm doing what I want to do um, to fulfill my own needs and my own desires, uh, regardless of any consequences or any thought about what h- how I'm relating to God in that way. That's yeah. what sin is. Yeah, that was the book of Judges starts with the quote: "Each person did what was right in their own eyes." Yeah, yeah. Now we don't believe that. We are not. <laughs> We're not pro-sin. So so here's what we want to kind of clean up in that. Grace says that we are forgiven. We stand in forgiveness. We are forgiven. We have righteousness. It says we've been dressed in robes of righteousness. They've been put on us. It says we have uh, all sins are taken away as far as the east is from the west. Um, we have many verses on that. Would you, would you just say that, say a little bit more about that as in I want you to I think you talk about this in your book like when were sins taken away since we're taken away at the cross well then that means right all of our sins were taken away 2,000 years ago past all past all of our past present and future sins are taken away and we no longer face judgment from God for our sin death we don't face death right now does that mean I can be without consequences for my behavior no no No. i think and here's where people make mistakes right they either say well if i'm forgiven then i don't have consequences no it means i do not have the condemnation from god and i have there's no longer a stumbling block from god i certainly will have consequences for my behavior and furthermore Paul talks about this, and I should have looked up that verse, but that's where he said, that's the one I was going to try to look up. I'll look at it while you're talking. Yeah, but that's where Paul says, um, shall we go on sinning? And it says, basically, you were saved from sin. And this is what I think when you get to the licentious side is, people forget sin is bondage. Yeah. And sin does not mean I get to go have fun. Sin means I'm doing stupid stuff that causes damage to me and the people around me. Yeah, yeah. And I can't go back into that and expect that to be good. Now, will it affect my relationship with God? The answer is not from God's perspective, but what it does is it tends to numb me to what is God saying? Because I'm not paying attention. I'm not listening to him. I'm not walking with him. So God hasn't turned his back on me. I'm just basically, you know, putting my fingers in my ears going, blah, 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 I can't hear you, I can't hear you. Yeah, or, or even afraid. When we, when we mm-hmm. live thinking that 
Our sin separates us from God. If you think somebody's mad at you, is it your natural tendency to want to go to them and, um, Right, that's you know, the double. Ex- expect that yeah. they are going to be gracious and forgiving to you. No, you usually, I do anyway, try to avoid them at all costs or be funny or try to blow it off or whatever. There's no, you've, you've, you've lost your own, I've lost my own um, sense of trueness and realness in the relationship with the person that I have sent. So it's not that I've broken the relationship. I'm usually trying to avoid the relationship when I think that that person is going to hold whatever it is I did against me. Right. And so Satan, the evil one does a double whammy with sin. The first one is when we sin, we feel that shame, that separation and whatever is put on us through shame and guilt and condemnation, which, by the way, is not from God. It's part of what the package of sin is. Mm -hmm. But then what he does is he gives you the bonus push, which is, and God is probably mad at you and doesn't love you right now, and so you need to even spend more time away from God, wallowing in the misery of how bad you are. Mm -hmm. And so first he pulls you away from walking with God, and then he gets you wallowing in the misery and despair of what your sin is so you spend even more time walking away from God or falling away or being away from God. I mean, and and let let me go back to this to give you an illustration of what we mean by the, the bondage of sin. I remember I was teaching, it was at a prison, and one of the guys piped up and said, well, I gave up drugs for Jesus, to which I said, no, you didn't. And he said, well, what do, you, what do you mean by that? And I said, when you say, I gave up drugs for Jesus, what you're implying is, I gave up something which had value mm-hmm. so that God would benefit from me doing that. And the reality is, drugs were destroying your life, mm-hmm. ruining you, wrecking you, your family, and everything around you. And God pulled you out of that and rescued from that. Yeah. And too often we look at sins, like people will have asked me the question, well, can I be a Christian and can I still go back and sin? And the answer is, yes, you can. Mm -hmm. And there will be problems for you. There will be consequences for your behavior. It will be damaging to you. It will be damaging to those around you. It will be damaging to your listening and hearing the very words of God and what he has for you in your life. Um, it's, I kind of look at too, sometimes sin, we, this is what I would call one of the great paradoxes of sin. There's actually, maybe sometime we'll have a thing on all the, all the perceived paradoxes that we have. And sometimes there's things we have to hold simultaneously in our mind that are opposites. Like on one hand, sin is absolutely destructive and devastating in our lives. The things that we can make and choose to do can really mess us up. On the other hand, we have to view sin as, I can't live there, hang out with it, and it's not a big deal. God says, get back, walk with me, come back to me. And yet I have to hold those two simultaneously, you know, in the sense of, I need to understand sin is a terrible, devastating thing. On the other hand, I can't let the sin that has happened dominate me 
and my relationship with God so that I feel like I am destroyed Mm -hmm. and that God can no longer use me. Because Mm -hmm. I think that's, again, a tool to keep you in that bondage. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a weird thing to kind of think both simultaneously. Yeah. Yeah. um, Give me a lot to think about here. So let me see if I can put some words to it. By the way, I looked up what you were talking about. It's Romans, the end of Romans 5 and into Romans 6, where Paul discusses being free from the law and free from sin. And what does that do um, with our relationship? Does that mean we should keep sinning so that grace can keep abounding? So dive into the end of chapter 5 and of Romans and 6 to um, read about that and just meditate on that a little bit about what you're really being set free from. Mm-hmm. Um, But to what you're just saying about this paradox, I think because of the reconciliation, and that is a word we haven't really defined, but really Mm -hmm. that just means we are back in favor with God all the time. We're back in favor with God all the time. There is nothing that legally separates us from him. And so he looks at us, when he looks at me, he looks through a filter. It, it, you can take this as a picture. He looks through the Jesus filter. He looks at, at, at the spirit of Jesus in me. And because of that, he does not look at my sin. He, it doesn't mean he can't see it because of he's God and it's a real thing. But that's not how he relates to me. He relates to me through the person and the reality of what Jesus has done to bring me back into favor with him. And that is where his, that's his filter. That's his paradigm. And when we sin and when, or when we get kerfuffled and, or to have doubt, I mean, Christians are really good at saying, well, I don't have the biggies, you know, I'm not, I'm not doing these these big blatant things were ruining my family and whatever, but there's still hidden places in us all the time where we're not feeling safe with God because we feel protective for whatever reason. And those are the places that he wants to say, no, even those places, those doubting places, how come you didn't heal this God? How come you didn't heal this this time? That, that, and if you let those questions go into, well, I can't trust you anymore. I, you really don't heal or you only heal at a whim or you only, you know, those kinds of questions that lurk in our minds and our hearts. Um, how come, you know, the big one right now is how could God be good and let all the things go on in the world? And boy, Dan and I are really doing a lot of research about that. I'm not going to take the time today to explain our research yet because um, we're still working on it but but um, those kinds of questions while it's okay to have questions if we let those questions fester in us they they bring us into doubt with the Lord and where we say we don't trust you Lord we don't trust that we can rely on you in every thought in every situation because you haven't come through for me in this, or you did this on this person or whatever. And, um, he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't see us like that. He sees us through complete love, 100% love. And so just, and he always wants to draw us up into what he sees, you know, the best for us, what we, what we are capable uh, of being, 
I'm not even going to say doing what we are capable of being because like we talked about, we are made in his image. And so we have huge capacity for love, huge capacity for justice, huge capacity for compassion. We as humans have these capacities as we flow in relationship with God, but we get, we get buggered up. I get buggered Mm -hmm. up, you know, in these these doubts or, or just downright, I don't want to live life with you, God, anymore. So I turn my back on you and I'm just going to go do my own thing, you know? And he, I think he, I think that makes him sad, but not sadness to the point of neglect or him saying, fine, you know, go do your own thing and I'll be here when you come back. I think he still woos us. He never takes his toys and goes home. Uh, Yeah. He still pursues us and Mm -hmm. wants us and brings himself into situations. So we have opportunity after opportunity to see him and respond to him in every situation. That's really good. And I think part of what... um... In here, I'm Becky gives you the heart side. I'm going to give you some head side. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I think one of the things that's really good to do as a practice is to come up with what is the model I really have of God? Mm-hmm. Who do I really think God is? And I think an awful lot of us have a incomplete or a not really well thought through model of who is God. You know, it's kind of a mixed thing like, well, God forgives, but he's mad. Or, you know, we have weird mixes. Mm-hmm. God, Jesus died, gave it, took away our sins, but if I do something wrong, he separates, he's mad, and he's going to punish me. And it's like, I'm sorry, but those two thoughts are incompatible with each other. Mm. And there's a point where you got to say, what is God really like? Mm-hmm. Is he loving? Is he pursuing us? Or is he just a ticked off guy that wants us to jump through more hoops? Or is it... Or disconnected even. Or disconnected, yeah. That he just kind of wound up the world in the old deist sense and let it go. And I think you need to be able to pursue and say, what is God really like? And hammer away until the inconsistencies are gone. Because I think as long as we let those contradictory ideas in our head, then we let those doubts come through Mm -hmm. about what God wants, about what God is like. And I think if you could start with a place of saying, all right, let's presume God is good, he's loving, and he's pursuing us. How do I start to interpret these things that I see in the word of God? Mm -hmm. How do I interpret in the world world, and all these things? And even if I don't understand it, sometimes say, all right, God, I'm going to wait and you need to teach me this and show me yourself and he will reveal it. Sometimes he'll tell you right away. Sometimes it may take years before (laughs) you really have have an understanding, but it's Uh, worth asking the questions, always having a conversation with God of saying, what's going on here and what are you trying to accomplish? What are you really doing here? Yeah. I find the pattern that he has with me (laughs) is usually if I'm asking the Lord questions. I'm usually kerfuffled. I am usually in a state in my head where I'm really not open to hear. And so I'll have this question or this prayer or this, uh, to help me God situation. And then I'll, you know, not hear anything right away. And then I'll live the next few days or weeks. It usually doesn't take super long. 
And like out of the blue, a situation will happen or I'll read something or I'll be thinking on something and I've, and I've gotten, you know, back into an open place and all of a sudden there's the answer and he will show me the answer or, or talk to me or through the word or through a friend or in a dream or whatever. And the answer will happen. And I'm always like, oh, okay, that makes complete sense. So I, I would encourage you to do just what Dan said, you know, talk to him about it, ask him, even if you aren't a Christian, talk to God, ask him what he thinks about whatever your questions are. He, Mm -hmm. yeah, he, he wants to talk to us all the time. Yeah. I think that's probably part of the practice is we say things like, I don't hear the voice of God. And the answer is he is speaking to us all the time. But sometimes we maybe need to get into a little habit of saying, is that you? (laughs) (laughs) Or even responding in a positive way. Yeah. And we'll see it more and more. Because I know that's been my background. When I was young, I never heard from God really much. But the more I was like, okay, that seems like maybe, all right, Mm -hmm. I'll follow that. Mm -hmm. That you go deeper and deeper in that relationship and you start to understand more and more when is it God leading versus something else? Because, you know, reality is this, and this is kind of the final thing I probably have to say. We have a lot of he- voices in our head, mm-hmm. right? I've got my own voice. I got probably my parents' voice. I've got protective mechanisms. You got that. You got habits. Habits. You got old voices from the past. You've accusations. got accusations from Satan, from other people mm-hmm. that have said bad things about you. Mm-hmm. And we have to get to where we say, I know what the voice of God is and what he sounds like compared to all these other things. Because there's things like just even the accusations that come in our head or the cranky thoughts of bad things, they're not from God. Mm -hmm. They're there to just disturb our peace and our joy and take us away. And God is bringing and saying things that are saying, come near to me. Mm-hmm. So I actually am going to let us practice this um, here at the end of our podcast today. And I, I just am going to invite you for the next few minutes to, um, I, I, right now, my biggest analogy is to put on some lenses. So I'm going to invite you to put off, to take off whatever doubt lenses you have about God just for a few minutes just do this as a, even a pretend exercise if that makes you feel better, but take off any doubt glasses that you have about God's love, complete love and grace for you. And instead put on filters and lenses. Um, as you listen, I'm going to read, put on filters of God's love for you. Uh, As you listen to Jesus's prayer in John chapter 17, And this really is the only long passage or long prayer that we have of Jesus talking to the Father. And I I want you to just think about if you've ever heard anybody um, pray, and they pray with such a compassion and such a, a demeanor that you can tell something shifted in the atmosphere after listening to that prayer. So think, you know, if you have a situation like that, this, I think this is one of those times. So here is Jesus talking right before he's about to be tried and crucified on the cross. 
He is with his disciples and he is praying to Father. And here's what he says. Listen to Jesus. These are the words of Jesus. Jesus lifted his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify and exalt and honor and magnify your son so that your son may glorify and extol and honor and magnify you. You have granted him power and authority over all flesh, all humankind. Now glorify him so that he may give eternal life to all, you, to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, to know, perceive, recognize, become acquainted with and understand you, the only true and real God, and to know him, Jesus, to know me, Jesus Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, whom you have sent. Jesus says, I have glorified you, Father, down here on earth by completing the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me along with yourself and restore me to such majesty and honor in your presence as I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name. I have revealed your very self, your real self, to the people whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours and you gave them to me and they have obeyed and kept your word. Now, at last, they know and understand that all you have given me belongs to you, is really and truly yours. For the uttered words that you gave me, I have given them, and they have received and accepted them, and have come to know positively and in reality to believe with absolute assurance that I came forth from your presence, and they have believed and are convinced that you did send me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they belong to you. All things that are mine are yours, and all things that are yours belong to me, and I am glorified through them. They have done me honor, and in them my glory is achieved. And I am no more in the world, but these are still in the world, and I am coming to you, Holy Father. Keep in your name, in the knowledge of yourself, those whom you have given me, that they may be one as you and I are one. While I was with them, I kept and preserved them in your name, in the knowledge and worship of you. Those you have given me, I guarded and protected, and not one of them has perished or lost except the son of perdition, Judas Iscariot, the one who is now doomed to destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. And now I am coming to you, I say these things while I am still in the world so that my joy may be made full and complete and perfect in them. That is that they may experience my delight fulfilled in them, that my enjoyment may be perfected in their own souls, that they may have my gladness within them, filling their hearts. I have given and delivered them to your word and the world has hated them. Because they are not of the world, they don't belong to the world, just as I am not in the world. I hope you heard hope in there, joy, God's heart for you, Jesus' example on the earth of what it means to live in eternal life now we're we are in eternal life now
the beginnings of it. I hope that that ministered to your heart, ministered to your mind, ministered to your spirit, encouraged you, and that even even if you choose to take off the love glasses and put on the old filters, that for a moment you heard the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ who has come to take away the curse. He has taken away the curse that that was first given in the garden. We don't live under that curse anymore. We live in the full glory of God the Father and Jesus Christ his Son and the Holy Spirit. May you be blessed by this this week. May you be encouraged. May you hold on to the relationship that you have with God and respond to him. All right. Well, we just thank you that you spent some time to be here with us, to partake with us, and to be part of what Mm -hmm. we're doing. Um, We treasure your friendship Mm -hmm. and your being here with us. And... We'd love to hear from you. You can always uh, visit us at grace.world. And in fact, we'll put actually on that site the little diagrams and references Mm -hmm. for anything that we have in there. You can also text us or call us at 833-85-GRACE. And it'll actually get through to us. Um, And I think that's it. Thanks again for being part of this. Mm